If you will please uh, open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 3, and let's open our hearts to God. Let's pray together, please. Oh, to see my name, our name, written in the wounds, for through your suffering, Jesus, we're free. Death is crushed to death. Life is ours to live. One, Jesus, through your selfless love. Our triune God, because you would love us sinners so much that you would write our name in Jesus' blood, would you love us again this morning enough to come into our midst? with the Spirit of Christ and to speak. God, because we desperately need to be reminded of Your love and Your work and who we are and what You want us to do, God, would You remove any veil that remains over our hearts, our minds, our eyes, our ears, our feet, so that we could become more like Jesus. There's wholeness there. We could do this all for Your glory, we pray. In Christ's powerful name, Amen. Man, is it great to be back in worship with the family here at Orangewood. Uh, I wasn't going to tell you this story, but as we worship together, it just felt so good. It was so good to be home. I've heard great things about last week's service and Zach's amazing message and the week before and how wonderful Joe was and I was here to uh, hear John preach and I'm so grateful for my brothers and the worship here. And last week I had the privilege of preaching, preaching in Eatonville. And I want you to know, it scares me half to death to preach to a church that's mostly black people. And not that I don't love black people, and I really do, because they'll start talking to you and they'll start, and I'm just worried that someone's going to yell, help them, Father, help them, you know? And, and I'm really nervous because I just want to really kind of shine for Jesus. And, and uh, um, it's so funny because the pastor says, man, you're in Orangewood. How in the world can you be nervous here? I'm like, I am. It's just, it's a different venue. So they helped me out a lot by putting me up front. Now, now, let me tell you, when we worshiped together up front, all the pews were facing this way, except for the pastor's pews and there's few others. We were facing like this way. So the whole congregation's, well, I'm actually this way. So you're all looking at me and I'm up front. And I'm telling you what, I am the closest to the worship band you could get, all right? And I'm telling you, we worshiped. And then he said, put your hands together and we got to clap for Jesus. And then we got to stop for Jesus. I was like, okay, it's one or the other. We're either clapping for Jesus or we're stopping for Jesus. But I'm not doing both. I can't, you know? I mean, and I'm just sitting there thinking, they're exposing me. That's all they're doing. They're, they're, just, they're just proving once again. I have no rhythm. So I thought I'm going to hide behind their pastor. He's about this big. You know, I'm like, oh, man, I can't do it. I'm exposed. So it's so good to be. It was great to be with them. I love being with God's people. God just blessed. Uh, he allowed me to run sentences together as it made paragraphs. And I, I trust that God was lifted up. But it's always awesome to be back home. Home here with you. Thanks for making this place awesome. Hey, let me ask you, how you doing on your New Year's resolutions? How you doing? 
All right, uh, pretty good. We got some claps. Uh, some people's heads go right down like this, you know. We're a little over two weeks into it, uh, so uh, I hope that you're doing well. How many people here are going to say, are bold enough to say, yeah, I have at least one New Year's resolution. Anybody here have at least one New Year's resolution? All right, I'm, I'm with you. Um, let me ask this question. Uh, did anybody uh, have a New Year's resolution that was very similar to last year's New Year's resolution? All right. A couple of us there, too. Uh, we're going to try after it. How many of you already have given up on your New Year's resolutions? Two weeks in, you're saying, forget it. Good for you, Missy. I'm saying, forget that. I mean, that's awesome. Sorry, I shouldn't call out names. Oops. Um, I talked to a friend who recently said, uh, he said, uh, told another friend who told me, saying, I don't start my New Year's resolutions until about two or three weeks into the new year. So when everybody else is crashing and burning, I'm just getting ramped up. So that's pretty good. It's a good way to do it, I guess. But why? Why, why do we do New Year's resolutions? Why do we start a year and say, hey, I, I want this to be different or that to be different? You know, no matter how great last year was, and no matter how great last weekend was, or no matter last night was, you know what? We long for more, don't we? I mean, we really do. I mean, we crave it. We long it. We, we want to be healthier. I mean, we long to be healthier uh, physically and, and, and maybe lose those pounds or get in a little bit more shape, or we long to be healthy emotionally. I mean, what in the world? Uh, you know, why is the mirror telling me this? Uh, why do I feel this way about myself? What's this murmuring going on in my ears? Uh, emotionally, can I heal? Uh, spiritually, God, I'm back again. I'm right back where I started, it feels like. Sometimes I feel like I've hardly even journeyed with you. Spiritually, I just... Are you going to make me more like Jesus? Are you going to make me a little bit more like Jesus this year? You see, we just long for wholeness. We lost it because of sin. And ever since, we've been desperately trying to find this, this wholeness, this, this health in every part of our body. Scripture says that, that we, it's absent so much to the point that even Christians, that, that we're groaning, we, we, we're sighing, we're, we're, we're kind of dying on the inside saying, God, can you make me more whole? Can you bring a little more health Am I really on that path to wholeness? You know, the amazing thing about this wholeness deal as we journey forward is our own brokenness. Uh, in the midst of wholeness and we see our brokenness, isn't it funny what we do with brokenness? We hide it. We disguise it. We mask it. We call it by names that make us feel better. We put it behind our back because heaven forbid anyone else finds out the truth. God's got some things to say about this. So today, and I'm so excited, he put this on my heart a while ago, today, Orangewood, we're going to begin a journey to wholeness. And we're going to look to the only thing that will give us truth, pointing us to wholeness, that's God's Word and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and as we look together through wholeness, here's what we're going to have to do. i got to tell you, i got to warn you, the, the beginning is going to be a little bit rough because we can't understand wholeness until we get brokenness, right? And so the next couple of weeks, we're going to be putting under a microscope brokenness. What is it? How do we get it? And what do we do with it? As we journey together, we're going to look to God and say, how do you see our brokenness? How should others see our brokenness? God, can you even use that? How do you fix it, God? 
And why haven't you done it yet? And ultimately, here's the underlying thing, is how does the gospel of Jesus Christ transform brokenness into life? Because the Bible says it should. The Bible says it will. The Bible says it does. The Bible says it is. How does the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ for sinners like us, a family like us, transform our brokenness into his shalom, into his life, into the fact that we have that emotional, spiritual, uh, physical well-being. A summary of this series, if you want to write down a one-sentence summary of uh, where's Jeff feel the Holy Spirit is leading us and leading him, a summary of this series in Christ is this, is that together, together, this is a journey together. Together, we are to be transforming, by God's grace, brokenness into life. Together, together, transforming brokenness into life. This morning, as we begin our journey, we're going to ask three questions. Ask these questions and ask the Holy Spirit through the preaching of His Word to reveal us the answers. And they're really kind of a framework. I mean, these are kind of some of the bigger questions, uh, some of the things we can hang some of our big thoughts on. Uh, these three questions are these. Where does the journey to wholeness begin? You got to have an entry point. So where does it begin? Where does the journey, how is to the journey, how is the journey to wholeness to be pursued? So where does it begin? How is it to be pursued? And then thirdly, where does the journey to wholeness reach its culmination? If you want to follow along your bulletin, you'll see those three points there. Uh, there'll be space in there for you to make some notes. Again, where does it begin? Uh, how do we pursue it? Where does it culminate? Well, you don't want to hear from me. We want to hear from God. And so let's do what we need to do. If we want to have any wisdom, let's turn to God's holy and errant word. We're going to pick up the epistle of Paul to the letter uh, to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 3. He's going to talk about wholeness, and he's actually dealing with those who are trying to find wholeness in a religious sense. Uh, those who are trying to do it by living moral lives, following the law, and how that's failing them. Uh, he also is going to be dealing with in the next chapter uh, those ungodly ones who are blinded from what God is doing. So we're going to pick up a conversation a bit mid-sentence, uh, a bit mid-thought. Uh, Paul in this is, is dealing with uh, Moses and Moses having to wear a, a veil um, when he talked to God's people because the glory on his face was shining and it was also fading. So Paul's going to deal with this veil, this, this veil that covers our hearts and our minds, that covers our eyes and our ears, that, that keeps us from wholeness. And he's going to point us by the power of the Holy Spirit to where this journey begins and how it should be pursued and then where it reaches its culmination. So let's pick up uh, Paul's thoughts in 2 Corinthians 3, uh, verses 16 through 18. Let's be mindful that we're reading God's holy and errant word. It's not going to lead us astray. Um, and by God's grace, we can trust it. And it's without error. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Think about where it begins. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is spirit. Let's pray together. Oh, Father God, come. 
Come and move us along those steps. Unveil our faces to Your beautiful face. And let us look fully so that we will never be the same. We pray in Christ's powerful name. Amen. So where the journey begins. Uh, Again, I love the fact that uh, uh, Paul is addressing a church uh, in the midst of a a moral struggle, in the midst of a religious struggle, in the midst of some of those who say uh, the journey begins through religion. Uh, the journey begins by you like living up finally, one time, finally doing your New Year's resolutions, finally reading your Bible, finally having your devotion life, finally getting better. No, it doesn't. Paul says something very, very di- different. He says the beginning to the journey of wholeness begins with one turns to the Lord and the veil is removed. I love the language here. He's talking to a church and yet he's going to use language that's singular. Because he wants us to know that this journey is a group journey, but it's also an individual journey. So he says, if you want to have wholeness, and all of us do because we're made in God's image, if you want wholeness, it begins, the start of that journey is when one individual turns to the Lord. The word here, turns to the Lord, is a very weighted phrase. It's not just, you know, moving in his direction. It's, it's turning your life to the Lord. It's, it's trusting God's provision for a Savior for your sins and mine. It's trusting God's righteousness as your own. And it's trusting God for what he's done through Jesus. And so when we turn to the Lord, really what the Bible's saying is that we're repenting of our sinfulness and our brokenness and our unwholeness. And we're turning to the one who can heal us and make us whole. So the journey of wholeness begins with Jesus. I mean, we can't have wholeness without Him. No matter what the world says, no matter what they're trying to do this year as a new improved diet or a new improved workout or new improved therapy or new improved whatever, by God's grace, those things may have some benefit to your life. But wholeness does not come without Jesus. That is where the journey begins. That's where it continues. We're going to see that is where it ends as well. So when one turns to Jesus, it says this veil is removed. The journey begins with our relationship with God and this veil. What is this veil and what does it do? And how do we get rid of it? Well, let's look at this veil. I mean, you can think of a veil. I mean, it's pretty easy. It's anything that that separates you uh, from another. It kind of hides you. Uh, This veil is that which separates you or hides you from God and from others. And listen, anytime we're hidden from God, anytime there's a veil between us and God, anytime there's an absence of wholeness. I mean, we can't have wholeness without Him, right? We're made in His image. And we can't have wholeness until whatever is in the way between us and God is removed. And once... That veil is removed as sinners. We have sin in face of a holy God. That has to be dealt with. Because why? Because if you look in 2 Corinthians 3, if you have your Bible still open, you look at verse 14, you see that this veil affects our minds. It talks about the hardness of our minds. Because if we are in a broken relationship with God and the one who created us, it says it affects our hearts in verse 15. That our hearts are unable to understand. We, we don't get God. We don't get ourselves. We don't get what God's doing. We don't get culture. 
And not only that, it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that it affects our minds, that we're blinded. We just can't see. And I love what Paul is saying here because it really needs to be said to a church like us. It says it can't be taken away by religion. It can't be taken away by the law. Matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians 3, it looks at the law, it calls it a, a ministry of death. It calls it a ministry of condemnation. So if you're here today and you're visiting Orangewood, you're wondering about Christianity, thinking maybe some New Year's resolutions will take away a veil that's between God and me, let me tell you, Scripture says it won't work. It says no matter what you do to try to clean up your life and clean up your act, it's not going to work. Religion will never remove the veil. All that religion will do, you try to start fulfilling God's law, it's going to drive you to the reality that, guess what? You need a Savior. You're a sinner. You can't keep it. The more you try, the more despair comes. It can only be taken away by Christ. Look at verse 14. Only by Christ can the veil be taken away. This, 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 this veil that only the gospel of Jesus Christ can remove for us. And here's how he does it. Uh, when he came to earth, he fulfilled all of God's requirements because he is a holy God. We don't get his favor without holiness. Someone has to keep the law. And by God's grace, he lets Jesus do it on our behalf and credit it to us. Someone has to pay the wages of sin is death. I mean, that's one of the verses of Scripture. I mean, when you and I fail with our New Year's resolutions, when you and I fail with our wholeness, when you and I just fail repeatedly by not loving in the way we should or loving each other the way we should, and that brokenness to a holy God deserves death. But unbelievably, God takes His own Son, the perfect spotless Lamb of God, the great I Am, and He puts Him on a cross... And on that cross, He puts our sin and our shame and our guilt there. He pours His wrath out there so that He can give to us what Jesus alone earned, and that was God's righteousness. What an amazing exchange. Amen? Unbelievable. And so what happened on the cross was so significant. It was the most significant thing that ever happened to humankind that sinners like us have been able to be adopted into God's family, but something physically, literally happened in the temple. The temple, which was a place where God's people saw that God's name was and God's spirit was and where God dwelt. And inside that temple, there was a holy of holies. And only one person, the high priest, once a year could go there. But you know what happened on the day that Jesus was crucified? That veil, literally, that curtain, that separated a holy God from sinful people, it tore in two. It ripped apart. God ripped it apart from top to bottom. It says no longer does there need to be a veil between sinners and God. Because God, through the power of the gospel, rips it apart. And now says that we can come boldly into His presence. Man, that is an amazing grace of God. Now, because of this gospel of Jesus Christ, we sinners, you ready for this? We have the privilege of relating to God on whole new terms. Although we are sinful, He so paid for them, now we can come into a holy God's presence boldly. As if He were, ready for this, as if He were like your dad. As if He were like Papa. You could just throw open the door and have access to His lap. Anytime. 
and he's never going to drive you away. You know what the writer of Hebrews says about this in Hebrews 4.16? He says that now in this gospel, we can boldly come before the throne of grace. And you know what the word boldly really means here? Look this up. I ponder this. And listen to this. It's a use of speech that conceals nothing. That we could come into God's presence and we could speak to Him in such vulgarity of our human terms and the reality of who we are that we could speak to God. Are you ready for this? We don't have to conceal anything. Because we have nothing to hide. Why? Because everything that we've ever done that should drive us out of His presence has been paid for in full. So now we have confidence to go speak to Him with such audacity to call Him Papa with anything that's on our heart. It's an unveiled. This boldness, let me keep on going. Use of speech that conceals nothing, hide, and passes over nothing. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing to be ashamed of. You can drag that addiction back to the throne room. You could drag your brokenness right back there. He knows it. And he says, now there's a veil that's been ripped apart. And now we have the audacity, the boldness to come. Why? Because we're a citizen in heaven. You see, citizens of a country that has this right, it's a beautiful thing, is it not? This country, we have uh, the right of free speech. Sometimes it it, it irritates us when someone says something stupid, and it seems like we do all the time. Uh, But even if someone says something that we don't agree with in this country, there should be a hidden beauty behind it, because we should be able to say, what an amazing right we have, that that person can stand up and speak his or her mind. What an amazing privilege. What an amazing right that you don't have to conceal what you think. You could say it boldly. What an amazing country that gives uh, the citizens that right. What an amazing God who calls us from darkness into His light, removes the veil from us, and now says, come and speak your mind boldly. It's your right. You want to prove that you're one of my citizens? Listen, speak truthfully to me. Speak honestly to me. The veil is removed. Come. I want you to picture a story. A story of an adopted child who maybe around the age of five or six came from Russia. And when he came from Russia and adopted into an American home, his life was forever changed. And when he showed up to the adoption, he, he came in rags. Uh, the rags that were symbols of, of, uh, that he was not wanted. The rags of symbols of where he came from. And when he came to this new home, and not only did he get a new name, not only did he get a new home, but he also got a new wardrobe. And uh, he run into his room, and in his room, and in his drawers, and his closet were, were fine, clean clothes, and, 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 a, and a wardrobe all of his own. And imagine this boy who, when it was time to talk to his father, would go back and he'd take off what the father had given to him. And he'd put back on the rags of adoption, the rags of a previous identity, the rags of a place that he no longer was, and says, now can I talk to you, Dad? Can you imagine how it breaks the father's heart? I've provided so much for you. I don't want you wearing those clothes ever again. Burn them. You're my son. Don't feel like you can't boldly come into my presence. Last week, Zach's uh, great sermon on Joshua the high priest and his filth being accused and God saying, no, 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 no. I'm taking off those rags. I'm robing him in my righteousness. You see, the, the, the journey to wholeness begins 
with an amazing God who says, whatever is veiled between you and me, I'm ripping it apart so that you and I now can deal with each other face to face. Wholeness will never come until we deal with God face to face. Okay, so that's where it begins with Jesus and with that tearing of the veil. But how does the uh, journey to wholeness to be pursued? And we're going to look at a few key phrases that are, that are seen in verse 18. So if you have your Bibles, look at verse 18. You see, our journey begins with God. We're going to see it continues and ends with God. But wholeness can only be found. You ready for this, Orangewood? In this American individual society. You ready for this? Wholeness can only be found together. Look again at verse 18. It says, and we all. I made a point to point out to you it's individual when we turn to Jesus. And now Paul talks corporately. He's talking to us all. All together. Together we all are to live our lives pursuing wholeness. We don't get wholeness without it. Maybe you've heard a guy named Tim Keller. Uh, We're doing his... uh, Equipping Center class, Gospel and Life. We're doing it, by the way, for a reason. It all fits together. By the way, he's, he'll be here, right here, on February 22nd. Mark your calendars. It's a Tuesday night. Um, but Keller says in this latest Equipping Center, he says this. Listen, Gospel-shaped people, those who've had the veil removed, Gospel-shaped people are the only ones who can form deep community. Gospel-shaped people are the only ones who can form deep community. Then he goes on and say, rightfully, and yet only in deep community can we become gospel-shaped people. We see that wholeness is not just an individual pursuit. It's to be done in community. We cannot be whole apart from one another. So it's in community. It's together. Second thing with this, with unveiled faces. God is saying we can't live our lives behind a veil. We can't live our lives behind a mask. Many of us have a good friend that goes to this church that repeatedly reminds us of that reality. And he says this, if we live behind a mask, only the mask gets loved. If we live behind a veil, we live behind a mask, really, we're not being loved and we crave and long for it. What's being loved is the mask. But there's more than that. Not only do we miss love, but we miss seeing God's glory in each other's face. Listen, listen, listen. Hang in. This is a big point. You've got to lean into this one. You see, you and I have the privilege of seeing the glory of God in each other's unveiled faces. I had lunch with a very dear friend this week, and he was telling me that he's going to become a grandfather for the second time, and the great joy. And as a matter of fact, his first grandchild is on his phone, and and he's so quick to show me the picture of this little beautiful boy, and he's got another one coming. And then through some shifting a little bit and through some pain, he basically says, you know, my wife and I got a bit of a heartache because uh, this is my second child and it's the second grandchild that's being born out of wedlock. And I really thought that we, we, we try to teach them better. We told them about God's blessing and we wanted to tell them about God's best for you and, and it really hasn't happened and oh, it's been difficult, but look at what God did. Look at this little boy. He's so beautiful. And he says, he said, he said, uh, he says, you know, I never got grace until I had to dispense grace. 
And now that I have to dispense grace, oh, is grace so much more beautiful. And I sat there and I listened to his story and I looked into his unveiled face. And you know what happened? Not only did I love my brother, guess who else I really loved? Jesus in his face. Jesus in his story. Because an unveiled face showed me the grace of God that I desperately needed to see. It was so encouraging. It's so encouraging to be able to to know the truth and and to see someone else live out the gospel with reality. Orangewood, do not rob each other of the glory of God by living your life behind a veil. Do not rob God His glory. Do not rob us of blessing. Listen, the reality is this. It's amazing. God says, I have separated anything that comes between you and me. Now I want you to live your life boldly. I mean, openly. Dare I say, recklessly. Take it off. Because there's a blessing in it. Be a people unveiled. I want you to see something here. Some of you feel like it's safer behind my mask. I just, I don't want the world to know it's safe. I want you to know it's not, it's not safe. It's a lie. Jesus died so you could take the mask off. Are you ready for this? Your mask, your charade, your life that you're trying to live so no one else knows the truth, it's selfish. It is. I mean, it's selfish. It's basically you saying, I'm not going to share the reality of who I am with others. Jesus' righteousness and blood hasn't really set me free to really be comfortable enough to take it off. Ikes. And it's selfish because what we're missing is the glory of God in your face. What we're missing is the reality of how God uses broken people like us and moves us to wholeness. It's amazing, is it not? And on. And are we, Orangewood, an unveiled community? Are we an unveiled community? Is this a safe place to take off a mask? God help us if it's not. And I don't think it is. We had a longtime member who uh, sent an email in recently to one of our pastors, and he, he was celebrating that this was the first Christmas and New Year's since 1975 that he didn't drink. First one. Praise God. Praise God. We're wrestling. We're trying to, trying to see if we can become a safer place and maybe a place that's really more honest about addictions and a place that's more honest about, you know, people's real struggles and stuff like that. And, and he said in the email, which is read over and over and over again, is I'm not sure Orange was ready for this addiction. Come on. Come on. It's got to be a community with an unveiled face. It's got to be. The gospel has to set us free. I mean, the truth is God has set us free. We've got to be able to say, this is who I am. I'm amazingly loved in Christ. This is the reality of my struggle. Don't love my mask. Love me. And see the glory of God in me in the midst of my struggle. I am so sorry for those of you who are terrified to take off your mask. I am so sorry that this has not been a safe place for you to be real. Can we change today? 
Can we beg God's wholeness to come? That this will be known as a community with unveiled faces. Dealing with truth. Dealing with issues that the world is going to say, are you kidding me that there's that much pornography at Orangewood? Are you kidding me that there's that much moralism, or not moralism, materialism at Orangewood? Are you kidding me that there's this much gambling at Orangewood? Are you kidding me that there's this much alcoholism or drug abuse or, or strained marriages or, or whatever it might be? Listen, God came to free us of our mask in Christ Jesus we should be just dropping him at the door and saying, come on, come let us worship the God who's ripped apart the veil. Let's come together and reveal the glory of God to each other. we got to be an unveiled community. The gospel of Christ has to set us free. Because that's the only way we're going to live boldly before our God. And it's the only way we're going to live boldly before each other. The elders in August uh, made a big decision. We may realize that the only way that we think that this is going to happen is if we're more of a community. And the only way this is going to happen if we're more of a community is we've got to have more small groups as our DNA. Um, and so we just hired um, uh, Mary and Larry. This is Larry Shingler, his wife Mary. Uh, they're coming from Tallahassee uh, as our small group director. Um, God is bringing him here to, to us to help us remove these masks to be in true community. They're coming to you. I'm so excited. It's been a long dream of mine that Orange would become more of a small group church with small group DNA. So Mary and Larry, can you stand up? I want you to see their faces. It's not all on them, but say hello. Welcome. It's great to have you. Yahoo. I think this is just the beginning. Listen, being unveiled means you're plugged in. Some of you are not, some of you are keeping a veil on you by not being plugged in. You're, you're hiding behind the veil of non-participation. Maybe you'll slide to church because you can go be unnoticed. You got to quit it. There's more things here for you. You got to take off your, the, the veil. Beholding the glory of God with open faces, behold, reflecting the glory of God. Um, that's what we're to do. We're supposed to have these, these, these faces that are unveiled. And now as we look to Jesus, we reflect His glory. There's a member of our church here who, uh, by God's grace, has a benign, it's benign, brain tumor. And he's going daily to, see, to receive healing radiation. And for them to have the right kind of healing radiation, they had to make a, a mask for his face. Very tight mask. And then when he goes in for radiation, they strap him into the mask and then they strap the mask to the table. There's a pleasant thought in it. Why? Because they want the healing radiation to be just in the right place. You want a journey to holiness? It's with us, with unveiled faces that are fixing our eyes upon Jesus together, the author and the perfecter of our faith, that we're keeping our eyes on the One who is whole, the One who has and will heal us, and that we receive the healing radiation of the glory of God so that our faces can reveal His glory to others. So that together through our brokenness, through this journey, the reality of Jesus is so strong. The aroma of Christ could be so amazingly smelled and felt and touched. As we turn our unveiled faces together toward Jesus, we reflect that radiated healing that only He can bring. And oh, how we need it here in this church, here in this community.
As we are transformed, we're transformed from one greed to another, more like Jesus. This all becomes Him. You know, I, I, I'll come back to this. Um, I want to I talk about the ending of where we are. And it, it tells us that our wholeness begins with Jesus. The way we live it is with an unveiled face with each other together. It's the only way we get whole. And then at the end, 1 John 3.1 and Romans 8.29 says, guess where we're going? We're going to be just like Jesus. He's making us just like Him. Are you on the journey to wholeness? Wherever you are, if you're in Christ Jesus, guess what? You're finding it. You're finding it. It may not be on this side of glory. It won't fully be on this side of glory. But we're going to see Him. And guess what? We're going to be like Him. And we're going to be whole. Pursue wholeness. Pursue Jesus. Pursue community. For some of you, take off the veil. Come join our church. Quit sitting in the pew as a visitor. The Discovering Orange was out there. For some of you, come jump into a equipping center. Come to WIC, our women's ministry, our band of brothers. Come tonight and pray. Let us pray together. Oh, Father God, for the glory of it all, for the glory of it all, Jesus has come down from heaven to earth to take sinners like us and loved us in such an amazing, radical way that He ripped apart the veil that existed between a holy God and a sinful man and woman. And now He's calling us for the glory of it all to live together in community and pursue this wholeness. And it can only be done through the Gospel. Jesus, give us the courage to take off the mask. Jesus, make this place a safe place to be unveiled. Because it brings you glory. It brings us hope and joy. And it brings our community healing. Do that for your powerful name. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.